beautiful sunrise this morning. The sky was mostly clear and there was about an inch and a half of fresh snow covering everything. At one point uh, a raptor flew over and spooked them all and in about 15 minutes they were back and calling and strutting on all sides of us. Sharptail are without a doubt more fun to watch. There's a lot more activity on the lake. Um, very, very vocal. Um, very, they can be aggressive for you know, such a small bird. When they fly off, they come back. If you were saying right. with the sage grouse, if they're gone, they're gone. They're right. not coming back. Just expecting yeah. that we're gonna walk, right. you know, through the Thule and whatever, sure. try to get to grandma's house. They would not have predicted it would have been this visually stunning and buried mm -hmm. over five days. Welcome to Wild and Exposed, the wildlife photography and adventure podcast with your host, Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and myself, Mark Raycroft. We're here today wrapping up in Wyoming, our fifth day, April 9th, our spring photo shoot with all kinds of varied wildlife on this trip and weather, as you've probably heard in the previous podcasts in this series. Today was a good day. It was probably the, well, in my books, it was by far the best day this morning. And we got up in the middle of the night. Well, not quite. felt like that. It was a little after 4 a.m. and made it out to a lek. But this time, we went out to a sharp-tailed grouse lek and not a sage grouse lek. And it was perfect because it was a beautiful sunrise this morning. The sky was mostly clear. And there was about an inch and a half of fresh snow covering everything. And these little dudes put on quite a show when they're strutting. And when the sun crested the horizon, everything came together and we were in perfect position. I was in a ghillie suit. The other fellows here, Michael and Ron, were in a blind with uh, camouflage materials surrounding their cameras. And these birds were very tolerant and performed actually all around us. They moved quite a bit back and forth. At one point, uh, a raptor flew over and spooked them all. And in about 15 minutes, they were back and calling and strutting on all sides of us. So it was a very active photo shoot in really the ideal light and setting. So great to get up early this morning and have that experience. Wasn't too cold either. Anyway, it was an awesome way to wrap up this trip in, in beautiful Wyoming and you know, something we've said and we touched on this at the beginning of the podcast, we have preached many times about duration of trip being a 10-day trip to get into the rhythm of a place. And obviously this trip's a little shorter, uh, being five days, but it's simply because of our other commitments that we have. So it was important enough to squeeze it in. And we were kind of compromised for part of the trip being so short because the weather did hold us up. But today, thankfully on day five, that was a perfect photographing scenario for weather and, and for wildlife cooperation. So thank you, Ron, Absolutely. for hosting thank you guys this for coming. great yes. adventure. And I, I mean, storybook ending. That's it awesome. was. Yeah. If, yep. if I had known that was like that, <laughs> I would have been, let's go do these birds the whole time. Right. I don't know why. I mean, the other ones are pretty. They're cool. Sure. Unique. I don't know. There's... Maybe it was the day, right? Everything was perfect. So obviously it makes it better. I'm mm -hmm. sure if you have a perfect day with the sage grouse, it'd be the same. I don't know. But it was cool. Sharptail are, without a doubt, more fun to watch. There's a lot more activity on the lek. Um, they're very, very vocal. Um, very, they can be aggressive for, you know, such a small bird. Uh, but 
they are to a lot one of another. Fun to watch to one another. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. Not not the guy in the ghillie suit. Not, yeah, none of the guys in the blind. Right, right. <laughs> so, d- describe their behavior because I think when we show some footage, and I'm sure we did it in an earlier podcast, but now that I've seen it, I'd right. like to hear the description again of mm-hmm. of just what they're doing. I mean, there were several things of behavior. I didn't get nearly enough footage. I mean, this is something where you'd want to go for what five right. days on that same lek or sure. a similar lek, uh, a sharp-tailed right. lek. But so I guess I'm saying I'd love to do more. But I got enough to see. I watched enough and I shot enough to see some pretty cool activity. But can you just describe what's going on? Yeah, the sharp tails. They don't have the. I guess the buffer zone that you would see with most other grouse and and the prairie chickens, it's not necessarily a circular area. It's more of a, uh, they're establishing dominance. They're establishing literally a pecking order uh, on the lek. And you'll have one bird that is very aggressive and he'll come in and basically just kind of own the middle. He'll run everything off of the center of the lek. That's his spot. And then you'll have some that are very passive and as soon as anything even walks toward them, they'll walk off the edge of the lek and, and, you know, in this case, even, you know, cross a, a barrier that we had, which, which was a roadway. Um, the, when a female comes through, they just kind of stroll through the lek. And if, if a male pursues them or if they allow a male to pursue them without flying off, you know, he'll leave the lek for a little while and then he'll return. The female generally doesn't. Uh, they are just kind of passers-by, but the males are displaying almost nonstop. They take a break once in a while, as and as Mark already said, you know, when a when a raptor comes over, they're quick to find cover um, because they are vulnerable sitting up there on the leg spot. Well, so, what's cool is when they fly off, they come back. If you were saying right. with the sage grouse, if they're gone, they're gone. They're right. not coming back. So it's kind of you get, if the raptor does fly over, it's not like game over. Right. You know that, okay, let's get up and stretch out exactly. our legs. Exactly. Readjust. Readjust. Move and your position slightly. And come back. If it, it will improve mm-hmm. what you're collecting, right? right? You that have that was opportunity. Cool. Yes, I like that too. That was awesome. Yeah. And, and then on the female, when, so you said a female came through this morning. I was focusing did, yeah. on so many different birds, I, did, I didn't see it. Yep. So if, if a female drags a, a male out, or, you know, if a male's pursuing that female and they decide to go, do they fly off or just walk off just to walk get off, far yeah. enough away from the other males? Is that what yep, happens? They just walk off, leave the lek area, and I'll be honest with you, I've never captured the actual copulation with a, a sharp tail um, because they do. They, they're they a little more private, I guess, than a sage grouse right in the middle of the lek. Um, but, yeah, she takes them off and then typically never comes back, hmm. at least that day. Right. Yeah. And then... What do we have this morning? 13 birds you counted? Thir- yeah, 13 different males on the lek. And what's the most number of birds you've seen on a lek with sharp tails? On, on that lek in particular, I've seen 25. So we did um, pretty good. So we did good, yeah. yeah. And a couple weeks ago when I was up scouting the lek, there was only four birds on it. So we're kind of moving toward those peak numbers and, and you know, getting more birds. There's a... A lek just a few miles or a couple miles lower. I've always thought it was a lek because I see birds, and I'm not certain that those birds don't end up of where we were this morning. So, and it, it's a great location. Um, I was going to mention I, that. Yeah. Do they do they tend the sharp tail to 
typically lek on the high point like they were today because the vista behind those the opportunity for some of those backgrounds with mountains off in the distance and the, and the habitat of the coniferous uh, hillsides and such yeah was striking with the light and so usually i assume they're on high points for visibility for the they're, strutting or yeah usually on kind of a, a finger mm-hmm. although i saw there was one lek um i used to live up in northern wyoming there was a lek up there and they were strutting in grass that was probably 18 inches tall would have been impossible to photograph it but you could sit there and observe um, observe the behavior so Mm. and i want to say something quickly to the audio listeners obviously these images will be on our website and linked uh, to the video podcast as well and and i want to mention that for the for the still photography that we were able to collect this morning but also encourage you to have a look because Michael slow-mo of this uh, mating dance is the slow motion video he collected is phenomenal. These guys are super cute little dudes doing their dance mm-hmm. and that and highlights that perfectly. It really does. It's just, it's amazing. It happens so fast. I mean, you can tell what's right. going on when you watch it just without slow-mo, but when you see slow-mo, it's, it just enhance. I mean, that's maybe why I like it so much too, because you can slow that action down. You can slow down an elk too, right? But it's not quite as intricate. Well, these little feet are pounding away, oh, and his wings are right. twitching, and stretched out, tails pointing to the sky, yeah. head down, all business. Awesome. Right. Awesome. right? Yeah, it sounds like a drummer on a drum line when those feet get going. And I don't, Mike, you said one second of slow motion video is how many seconds? Well, so today, just as a little video refresher for all the people shooting video, so I can shoot 4K, I can shoot 6K, I can shoot 5K, I can shoot 8K, and Every time I go, if I start at 8K, it's the lens is the true lens. So a 400 is a 400. If I come back to 7K, 8K, then I'm getting mag- magnification, right? So 7K, 6K, 5K. Yeah, 7, as, 6, as 5, 4. Lower the, the, the K, which is the K is 1,000 pixels, right? So 4,000 right. pixels wide for the frame. Right. 5,000, just for those that don't know. So HD, which is everybody's 2, familiar 000. with that, is 2,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is cutting edge video sensor at 8k right and what it you know you don't really see stuff at 8k i wonder but what you do is if you're shooting 8k then you can crop in and take 2000 out of it right and you're not degrading the resolution at all phenomenal so it's not like you're trying to explode something but to answer Mm -hmm. your question so when i do that depending on the resolution will depend on how slow i can do the slow-mo and today we were we were relatively what how far away probably yards at yeah 30 40 yards so i found well, they were I, all around us too yeah, yeah and they were they were walking behind us mm-hmm. and you just mm-hmm. kind of you didn't know but what i ended up having to do is go to like 6k to get a little bit of you know the thing is too is they don't sit still it's not like they no. do their dance in one spot they'll they'll hop up and then they'll scoot and they might go 10 feet that way and I wanted to leave enough room where you could actually see that movement. So I was shooting at 6K mm-hmm. for a lot of the day. And what that did, what that does is give me 100 frames a second. So that is at 30 frames a second, which is the native. So it was about three seconds. Okay. <laughs> well, did I just one, take five minutes one, to answer that question? Oh, but, uh, there's <laughs> okay. a lot of information that's useful there. So yeah, one, right. uh, one second of regular time. Turns out to be three seconds. About three and a half. So, well, With three and a third. Setting. Right. Three and a so third. it slows it down, stretches yes. it stretches out. So this out. fast movement, which slows down. It would have been cool right. to shoot it at 
150 because then one second is five seconds. Sure. Today I was doing one second is three seconds. But it's still slow enough. I mean, I didn't see it with my naked eye, but we were just watching the footage. And exactly. When they're tapping, you see snow flying. Right. You know, and you yep. see that. So you do, and there's enough detail there. You can see some pretty cool action. Well, for such a fast sequence, slow motion will highlight all that so yeah. much better than regular speed video, right? Yeah, and that's, I guess, that was what I was getting to is, you know, as as you're able to watch the video, if you go to the website, watch the clips, just count how many times those feet hit in those three seconds and, and then, you know, add that up in one second's time, they're going about 20 times. It's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, you know, and one thing just on the photographic side of things or the exposure side of things or the focus side of things, depth of field, I mean, I'm dealing with all this stuff as you guys do too with stills, right? But I've always been very shy of going up to like F8 or F11 because you're afraid you're going to lose this depth of field. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you want to put all that focus on that animal, right? Mm -hmm. But today I'm like, ah, I got to shoot at least F8 or I got to shoot at least F11 because they don't stay in that one spot. And if they go two feet this way, I'm hoping that once I set the focus where they were, when they go this far, at least it'll stay. If I was shooting down around F4, which that lens is the lowest aperture on that, it, I wouldn't have got anything. So I ended up playing a lot today with the exposure, which helped with the depth of field to try to... And it's still, when you have a big lens you still get that depth of field. Even at F11, I was still, the background was still blown out. So okay, I still got the desired up. effect, mm -hmm. but it was, um, so they stay in focus even if they move a couple of feet. Hopefully plane, right? it's yeah. so critical. I mean, you watch it and at 8k, the resolution is so fantastic. You know, it does move in and out of focus, but that also tells the story too, right? It shows the distance. And I think people may not under photographers understand it, the general public doesn't understand how this all works, but I think subconsciously they do. You know, when you watch a movie or you watch anything, you'll see stuff go in and out of focus or someone will start down a hallway and they'll walk and they'll come into focus as they're walking. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You know, I think people subconsciously get it, but they may not know the technical as photographers right. would. And so I ended up playing around a lot today. Different from our still cameras, you're all manual focus. And that's the thing too, right? So right. if they move, if we have a shallow depth of field on the still cameras that we have, except for that, if it moves back, our autofocus, if we stay on it, compensates it. But with you, you've got to dial it with your eye and with the with the high-end video equipment, that's necessary. So, well, Which is crazy, right? You think with the amount of money you spend on these cameras that they would be autofocus, but it must be just too much to One to of these days, do. hopefully. One of these days. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing, too, is it is, you know, you don't want to... You don't want it on autopilot all the time, right? You right. Want, it, it still requires a lot of skill, oh, and you right. want to maintain that skill. Just like with mm -hmm. the stills, you still have to know what to do. Mm -hmm. Even though it is autofocusing, you still have to know what you want, you know, like the depth of field. Or... And honestly, the advantage to that is as these things are moving through the grass, um, every once in a while, still camera is going to lose focus because it's going to catch on a blade of grass or catch on a piece of sagebrush. And if you're if you're manually focusing, you avoid that issue. Right, you don't get that fast mm -hmm. jump out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I was playing quite a bit with depth of field today because uh, just having the bird, we had the opportunity with such a distant background being on that high point, right. that hilltop, 
to get a clean background. But on occasion, they would position themselves where there was something, uh, a mountain way off in the background. I tried to get that detail. Mm-hmm. I haven't edited the images yet, but I was cranking it up to F18, F20. Try to keep To that. try and yeah. get the background for some of those to show this beautiful landscape behind the birds. And then also try to cap- capture images that just have a shallow depth of field to highlight the bird too. Just yeah. for varied perspective. Now, you guys were doing 200 to 500, right? Yes. So when you were doing that, where were you at? Were you, did you have to go to 200 because we were to get the bird and that distance? Exactly. I mean, again, I just want to... I actually had to go vertical for some of it. Right, yeah. to get the, that. The 200 wasn't enough to get... And so, and so the bird wasn't necessarily always super close, but again, with photography, the composition, you can tell a story of the bird's world, and even if it's smaller in the image and have the vertical with the mountain scene behind, that's fine too, especially with the light we had this morning because mm-hmm. you know the entire landscape was beautifully illuminated with the sunrise so yeah, it wasn't exactly. like the mountain was in shade and the bird was lit which would be fine the opposite's not fine where the bird would be in shade and the mountain would be lit unless you have a stark contrast and can do a silhouette mm-hmm. if it was that clean but since everything was illuminated it was perfect yeah exactly to accomplish that so it was. fingers crossed we'll get those edited and because this is fresh i mean we just got in out of the field got our boots washed and already uh, put away but we've we haven't had time to edit images but we did look at uh, mike's slow-mo video and very excited about that and of course mm-hmm. we saw the images on the back of our cameras as we collected them this morning to make sure that we were composing them the way we wanted to and exposures were accurate so we do have an idea of, of the success we had today which is mm-hmm. the perfect way to, to end, absolutely end this trip it was a good end that being said it was a cool morning because of the vista, the sunrise, the birds that performed. But we also had three-pronged horn antelope sneak around behind us. Yeah. Right? So we're sitting still out there, hidden in this camouflage. Behind us, and I'm not sure exactly how far they were because we couldn't turn around to see. But you heard a alarm call, and then all of a sudden the sound of racing hooves they were, they were you heard an alarm call i didn't yeah. hear nothing <laughs> we were in the zone he's like did you hear it and i was like i didn't hear anything <laughs> it, uh, they got downwind of us i guess the other yeah, thing i, I wanted to say was uh, when we asked last night we, we said so can we go to a sharp tail lick and you're like yeah that there's that's a given let's do that and we're like how far is it oh he's like that's not a far walk we ended up walking right down the road and you mentioned right. it earlier the, a road kind of skirts right by this lek. But it was a very and, quiet road. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, but I, I'm ranch. just expecting yeah. that we're going to walk, right. you know, through the Thule and whatever, sure. try to get to Grandma's house. And we just walk up this little road, and he's like, and I'm, I'm well, as we're walking, I'm walking behind you guys, and I'm, I see you guys stop and look, and I'm still not, no clue. I'm figuring we're going to cut off the the road and you guys are stopping and finally i saw those birds and i'm like holy moly right yeah. there they're right there and that road is a kind of a private road right so they can't necessarily yeah. i mean they're not disturbed it's not like millions of cars I mean, no there are two cars a day right? there's enough there's little enough traffic that they'll they'll maintain that lack position and there's enough traffic that they get used to the vehicles so it doesn't really affect them you know if somebody stops and slams a door it's probably going to send them off the lake, but yeah, they don't seem to be bothered too much by it. If people keep driving, they just keep dancing. It's they don't even slow down. I'm just so amazed. All the places, and I guess we all have them, right? You have the places that next to where you live. I have the places next mm-hmm. to where I live, and we all know these 
But I'm just so impressed by all these little, as we're driving through wherever. Big country. Wyoming. And Ron's like, okay, take a right here. Take a left here. <laughs> go over this culvert. Do this. Now we got to walk over here. And then boom. Yeah. We find whatever we're look, looking That's for. It's been one of the most really impressive, impressive I like parts it. of this trip. Yeah. And the varied places. The different, the, the vistas, the different habitat. Right. It's, it's incredible down here. And, and the varied wildlife. And yeah, I couldn't, I would not have predicted it would have been this visually stunning and varied mm -hmm. over five days. The places we've been, what we've seen for wildlife and for habitat um, from, you know, prairie ranch country to mountains. Well, and I think that's saying a lot. To, uh, with you know, from you coming from Canada, a completely different environment. I'm coming yeah. from Colorado, which mm -hmm. is kind of similar, right? So I, and I've driven up the highway here a lot. Mm -hmm. No clue that the diversity that we just experienced within what an hour, right? An hour an in hour, any direction, an it's drive, different yeah. everywhere. It's just really mm -hmm. cool. It's an interesting corner of the state in that sense, I suppose. That oh, way. absolutely, with the way yeah. the habitat is. So, um, I want to add something else. So, I have a hack. Oh, <laughs> hack have, it up. I have a bird photography lek hack tip to mention today thanks to ron again as the host suggested this morning i take this backpack with a built-in insulated turkey seat and what it <laughs> is is meant is meant for people who are sitting out for turkeys but well, how's any different sitting out photographing a, a, a sage grouse lek or sharp-tailed grouse lek what it is is a backpack with a cushion and a seat that folds out that's large enough to comfortably sit on with two straps that connect to the top. So you can lean back and have total support on the ground, eye level to these birds. And again, that lowers the profile and, and makes me, in this case, less visible. And for the few hours that we were motionless this morning, uh, my colleagues here had to <laughs> kneel in their blind behind their tripods and cameras with knee pads that was added some comfort, but after doing that a couple of days ago, I recognized that you're, you know, you lose feeling in your legs by, by staying in that position for that long. So the hack is these backpacks with these built-in seats for working animals low to the ground and just having some camouflage material or a ghillie suit can, can hide you so easily and you're comfortable for hours. Mm -hmm. And I tried not to comment on, on it too much to them, but I, you know, at the end I, I, I had to say I was reclining, and you know, was, the birds were super entertaining, so there's no way I was falling asleep, plus the vista and the sunrise. But I joked to them that I was so comfortable, I could have easily just spent the morning having a nap there, and they didn't really appreciate that. But <laughs> <laughs> when that raptor flew over and they flew away, I was like, oh, thank you. It was almost a, yeah, it was almost I, a relief. You hate, you hate to see the birds leave the lek, but. Yeah, I couldn't feel my legs, and I looked at Ron, and he's, I could tell, he was, well, you had said something, you had whispered I'm, something to me, you're like, I can't, I, I got a cramp from I got a cramp something. in my back early, I mean, well before, well before daylight, and the whole time I was trying not to move, but move enough to bring some relief to that, and just couldn't do it. You and I are dying, and I look over at Mark, and he's like... <laughs> He's just like leaning back oh, and like, you great. need to get up. He's like, nope, I'm nope. good. I'm good. <laughs> well, and, and it would support all my weight and I could lean back and just adjust my profile ever so slightly to get a little bit of a lower perspective on the birds and get blue behind them or raise up a little bit in mm -hmm. such a subtle fashion that they never picked up on it. 
and it was so comfortable. So, you know, it, and they're not that expensive, I'm sure, right? So no. to have one in, in your collection of, of gear to for these kinds of situations. and uh, it's, it's got so many applications. Right. That, yeah. And so, a well, lot for, of storage yeah. for gear, too. It's mainly for turkey hunters, I would think, is what they made That's it for. That's what it was designed for, yeah. For a photographer, I think it's yeah. one of those tools. It, and the backpack functions well. Uh, yeah, like you can right. have your, your snack in there, your water, yep. or your extra gear or whatever you yeah need. you said that the other day you were like it's got tons of pockets yes. it does mm-hmm. it's pretty cool mm-hmm. Nah, that was thanks for lending that to me <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> that was i mean that they, they left twice right they this did. morning yeah. and it was thankful both times because i literally couldn't feel one leg and i was afraid to stand up because i was like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to fall i'm gonna fall over i'm creator over the camera mr lazy guy over here <laughs> not lazy i was in the zone or not lazy but in mr comfy zone. guy i guess looked like say. sasquatch yeah he totally did with the, the cool thing the is we suit. took a bunch of pictures so we will put those on the website or they'll actually be in the podcast the video podcast they will and i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted i, I thought earlier when we were talking about this but we get off on all these exciting stories about what we've seen today but um, all those we collect a lot of behind the scene images, so you can see it how we'd set it up, and 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 not just the setting, but you know the gear and right. and before and after, and it tells the story of of our experience. Mm-hmm. Each each of these days, there there have been behind the scenes uh, images that we've been collecting to help illustrate what we do on these adventures and how we accomplish collecting the images we do when the weather and animals cooperate, and we're fortunate that way. Yeah. The cool thing would be to do this five or six times, right? Because we talk about we show behind the scene pictures. And yes, I felt like I looked like a you know my setup just was could have been refined. You know, it's where like you do it one day and you're like you you're done, mm-hmm. and you go back and you look at the footage and you're like, oh, if I just did this, I'd probably be more comfortable, mm-hmm. which would allow me to do this better. So it would be fun to do it over five days and right. totally refine your process so that like by the last day you right. you're comfortable, you're not cold, whatever that, it that is. That was me today, thank thank you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but it wasn't we no, couldn't I mean, do that on this trip because this trip we were going after so many different species so and, and yeah. trying different things depending on the time of the day because the leks weren't active in the afternoons. What do we go do in the afternoons? You know, we tried to find a mountain lion, of course, and <laughs> and that looked for Sasquatch. Uh, we did and didn't find Sasquatch on this right. trip. Either. He looked like Sasquatch. We, did. Saw, <laughs> we saw so many pronghorn antelope. I mean, so many species: mule deer, elk, white-tailed deer, turkeys, raptors, you know, bald, or bald eagles, golden mm. eagles. And then, uh, I and mean, the just, country today. Well, I mean, just the vistas with all the fresh today, snow right? everywhere, and yeah. the mountains, and the evergreen forests, and yeah, it was stunning. Well, when we left here, we, it was raining, and I never would have expected snow up. Did you expect snow up there? I didn't. No, I thought I thought we were going to be going, you know, just into a rainstorm. Right. And oh. because it's a little higher, and a lot of times the storms will hold up there. But when we got about halfway up the mountain, I guess started seeing a little bit more snow and I I got kind of optimistic that we're going to get that nice white sheet below these birds just make them stand out even more and yeah it was it was awesome it was it couldn't have been any better yeah I agree the 
I don't know if I finished that thought. So I just, as far as the, this specific trip and, and how varied we were with what we were going after, depending on the time of day, the weather we were forced with, and just having five days and, you know, hoping to get sage grouse and sharp-tailed grouse mm -hmm. and wild turkeys, the various things we went after, that we didn't have time for these locations to, to redo them enough to perfect each setting. Right. And, you know, Ron's done this so frequently that he had us dialed in very well. Oh. But on other trips that we might do, that I think that's a great idea. You know, we have plans coming up actually for quite soon to do another podcast trip together um, for bears. And that will be, you never know what you'll find in wilderness. And, and there are a variety of species at the destination we're going to. Um, bears being both black and grizzly, what we're hoping to, to film in, in various situations, but they're eagles and so on. But um, that's something that we can maybe, in another trip, that if, we, if we're going after the same species day after day, refine that or explain. But this yeah. is new to Ex us, and that's why... Explain it, how we... Uh, but can you imagine if we... if if you wouldn't have done what you did and as far as providing us with right. the information basically guiding a lot us of the, yeah it was, right. it was awesome yeah yeah and what's cool is we're able to experience it mm -hmm. and hopefully all of us collectively can share it right because right. i don't think you could come here not knowing anything and get what we got in five days or oh, see what we so saw much in country five days. i would never find the birds no you know we yeah. covered it was an hour away on on one and there's one hilltop yeah there's nothing that says go there mm -hmm. it's just our good friend they could have picked he lives here a hundred different places or thousands oh, sure but, that's right and so it, it could take yeah. a tremendous amount of time to locate them and on a trip like this where we only have so much time between assignments mm -hmm. you know it, it's a challenge but and i think it's a good thing that they are hard to find like that too because oh, of, absolutely you know yeah. you don't want to i mean they're really cool and I would like it for everybody to experience it, but I don't think the birds would tolerate that. If it was a national park type situation where there was, you know, 10 photographers People lined up spread and, out. Yeah. and spread up and, you know, everybody's doing something different, right. you know, mm -hmm. I don't think these birds would tolerate it. So it's your years of living around here, building trust with these private landowners so right. that they know that you respect the wildlife, you respect the land. You know, something happened today mm -hmm. where we, we um, saw, or yesterday, I don't know, we found some trash. We found a couple cans oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff, and, oh, right, right. you know, we just pick it up and sure. take it out. I mean, they got to appreciate that just because, you know, you just respect everything about it, and you'd leave yeah. it better than what you found it. Hopefully. That's the intent, always, right. but, yeah. Uh, you know, the other advantage to being around it is as we were kind of talking on the way up, the behavior, because we're all behaviorists. We all observe wildlife behavior. That's just what we do. And that's, I think, gives you a tremendous leg up as a photographer to be observant that way. But if you can, <laughs> if you can uh, have a few hints ahead of time, you know, like the fighting we talked about on the way up, if these uh, sharp tails will pair up they'll kind of face off and if they face off and both just kind of hunker down generally there's not going to be anything happen you can you know there was a couple of times today where they were both in the same focal plane get a nice catch light in the eye makes a decent portrait of the two birds but there's really nothing going on but if those birds pair off face each other start down and then they start dancing back and forth you know they're going to fight mm -hmm. and so you you know, again, you want to leave that room 
on the top of your composition because when they, when they do, they're going to go straight in the air. Yeah. And so you can capture that by leaving that space when you see it. And because of you describing that on the drive in, you know, that saved me time because I'm balancing my camera without a tripod. Right. And so when I frequently, I'd see a pair of males that were challenging one another, face one another, and then lay down, I could slowly lower my lens and rest my arms for when it counted. Right. right? And if I Mm -hmm. hadn't, been, if you hadn't shared that information with me, I would just, oh, I just keep this on because they could fight any moment. They could start strutting again. I don't know. My arms are falling asleep. My lens feels like it's oh, 100 pounds. Oh, yeah, I feel not... terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, the, my point is that that helps help my my strategy significantly. They yeah. lay down. I rest the camera. They get up. I get ready to photograph yeah, again. So, absolutely. So understanding and interpreting the behavior accurately was a game changer. Right. So thank well, you. I think we yeah. were feeling like you should have some arms that fall asleep because our legs were done. <laughs> <Our legs were done. laughs> I only saw that once. That, the uh, fight? Yeah, but you know, we're all focused on different birds, right? Did you see more than that? Did you see yeah, more there than were, that? Yeah, there was a pair to my right. You guys were both to my left and they they went at it a few times, but there was no way to photograph it because it was in the tall grass. Yeah. And all you would see is I could hear them as they're kind of talking back and forth. But all you would see during the whole exchange was whichever one left the ground, and that and that was it. So, along the behavior lines, do they tend to fight more as the season goes? They tend to fight more the more females show up on the left. Oh, so it's all but, just female dependent. Yeah, I not necessarily as much with sharp tails, but sage grouse for sure. Sharp tails, they're, as you guys saw, they're very active. Um, but the dominance, after the first few weeks, that's the disadvantage to going later. After the first few weeks, that dominance has been established. And so you'll have some birds that'll retreat and oh, others so that'll I... stand their ground. So that is the one thing that every year you've got to redetermine. Okay, which one of these guys is taking the center of the lack and kind of just pushing everything else out on the on the radii mm-hmm. of the circle. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got to figure out which one that is. And, you know, sometimes you'll get they try to first of all they'll they'll try to tear off the the combs above the eyes, and then they try to puncture the bellows because it prevents them from being able to display. And you'll see scars in in your images probably when you get home. You'll see scars on on those bellows and. On the eye combs, you can tell oh, how much fighting is serious. Then, eh? These so guys, I was just gonna say after you look, finished, I was gonna be like, "You we say fight, but fight really is not like they're gonna fight to the death." But yeah, no, it's, it's actually a lot more aggressive than what I not to the death, but it and it happens so fast. That's why I was hoping you know you'd be able to catch that on video, right? Because to see exactly what they're going after, and so if they take off that color marking above their eye then that less benefits them right? right because they're not wow some makeup for that the, is amazing for yeah. appealing yeah. to the females that way totally the reason why i love doing this right I mean, you just learn so many little things about so many different species yeah that's awesome yeah i had no idea it looked like a cartoon out there they're just so colorful <laughs> and they're just kind of bouncing they, off yeah. each other and the calls don't sound intimidating right and they're just mm-hmm. but yeah they're meaning business even though yeah. They they look great and, and soft and fluffy with the plumage. But they yeah. only get to experience this one time per year. They're sure. gonna make it happen. And it makes and sense. It's a it's a big deal. Right. Right? It's it's 
passing on their genes, mm-hmm. and the fittest gets to do that. And how do they prove it? There you go. Right. Go for the things that impact their appeal to the go female for the eyebrows. sex. Eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Keep those eyebrows, boys. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's awesome. I can't think of anything else other than just say yeah. thanks. Yeah, thanks it was a great much. trip. Thank you guys for coming up, and uh, can't wait till the next one. Thanks. For Hopefully, we can and... repay the favor when we go to when we go up to Canada mm-hmm. looking for bears. And we've done it so many times that hopefully we'll have some insight that will yeah. make it easier for you. I only have one request. No. <laughs> I'll save it for breakfast on the first day. <laughs> You're not letting it out now? We're keeping the suspense. No, I, cub in a tree. Cub yeah. in a tree? Cub oh. in a tree. Oh, yeah. okay. Cub of the year in a tree. All right. Yeah. That's, we'll do, make that we'll, we'll That's do. my one request. We'll, we'll try hard for that. Yeah. And with the amount of time you're coming along, it should hopefully happen. If we get it day Fingers one, I'll understand there's going to be more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We were kind of that way a little bit too. So, so much to select from and try for. Right. So. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for following us along on this Wyoming adventure. And, and uh, first time for me here has been very exciting. And hopefully it's been informative and fun to, to listen to. And if you have any questions about our trip or anything that we've discussed on the podcast, feel free to contact us through our email on the website, wildandexposed.com. And you can also find our personal information contact links on there for social media to follow us on Instagram, for instance. We all have pages on there as well as the main page the wild and exposed podcast uh instagram page is up there as well um yeah is there anything else that you guys want to mention no just tune into our we'll continue doing podcasts not location podcasts but we'll up until we go to canada we'll be doing oh absolutely weekly, yeah weekly podcasts yeah there's lots that we have to cover lots of uh how-to hacks and with gear or in the field animal behavior as well as we'll be sharing some uh unique adventures that we've had during our travels and on our assignments for what we do professionally, each of us in our own way. Yeah, well done. And if you, uh, the other thing too is, you know, this is available on all the different podcast platforms and if there's a way to give us a, a ranking, a five star for instance, that's oh, important. five star. I don't so know. Any, any support that way is always appreciated. Um, as far as any liking or following us along or subscribing to the podcast is appreciated and keeps us going forward until then thank you for listening and tuning in and we'll catch you next time enjoy the great outdoors and uh, have fun folks